Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And several years ago, I came across an article that set forth some extremely valuable and biblical principles about a very important subject. What the article did was simply present 12 different ideas for husbands and presented these ideas in the form of commandments, of which I want to present 10. I really liked it, and I thought that I would use it as a basis for an episode. I'm going to simply call today's episode, 10 Commandments for Husbands. Commandment number one is as follows. Thou shalt love thy wife and commit thyself to her for a lifetime of oneness in marriage, divinely joined and indivisible. As we turn to God's word, we find this principle expressed from the very beginning. Turning to Genesis chapter 2, we'll read verses 18 through 24. There the Bible tells us, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whenever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Because of man's unwillingness to abide by the most basic of God's laws, many years later, Jesus found it necessary to refer back to what he called the beginning. In the unfortunately famous passage found in Matthew 19, 1-9, and I use the word unfortunate because it often is turned to only when its teaching has been violated. Anyhow, reading verses 3 through 8, we find, And some Pharisees came to him, testing him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give us a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. In the world, the idea of extramarital activity does not carry the stigma that it used to. There are movies and television shows that are supposed to be entertainment based upon just such activity. Husbands are to make their marriage such an exclusive relationship that their wives will never have an occasion to doubt the love they have for them, nor any occasion for jealousy or lack of trust. The type of relationship that is to exist between a husband and a wife is expressed so beautifully in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Paul wrote these words, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. What possible circumstances could arise under which we would not trust the Lord? Commandment number two is, Thou shalt seek to understand thy wife. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, we are told, You husbands likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Understanding is a very good way of expressing the meaning of the word used in 1 Peter 3, 7, which is the word gnosis, or knowledge. A man with knowledge of the word of God knows how he is to treat his wife. Understanding that she is physically the weaker vessel, yet, if the case is that they are both Christians, recognizing that she is a fellow heir of the grace of life. A husband is to show his wife honor, because of his opinion of the value he places upon her and his estimate of her importance in his life. Let's face it, women are different from men, possessing different moods and feelings. They are often much more adept at expressing those feelings and thoughts and perhaps more emotional in doing so. As husbands, this is another aspect that we must try to understand and more than that, appreciate. Commandment number three is, Thou shalt talk to thy wife when thou comest home from thy work, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. A very common thread that I have found over the years when couples have asked me to try to help them in some marriage difficulties they were having has been, He does not talk to me. Let's take a situation where the wife works at home. After a day spent talking to children, or to no one, it just stands to reason that one of her significant needs is to be able to talk to an adult, especially her husband. In many instances, this does not happen. A husband will come home from work, eat dinner, and head for the television. There he will stay until the evening news is over with occasional breaks for trips to the refrigerator. The wife acknowledged, but not talked to. Such ought not to be. Again, we are drawn to Ephesians 5, this time verses 28 and 29. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. My friends, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2 tells us to walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. Surely, part of walking in love, especially with the most important person on earth in our world, involves talking to her. Commandment number four, thou shalt not talk down to thy wife, nor use sarcasm or ridicule. This is actually equally true on both sides. Have you ever been to a gathering of people, including a number of married couples, where the husband, in what is supposed to be funny, was always putting his wife down, ridiculing her or making jokes at her expense. I have, and at times I have been embarrassed for the wife, and if I was embarrassed for her, I can only imagine how she must have felt. I believe the husband's responsibility is to build his wife up, not to tear her down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, where we are told that love is kind, simply does not allow for such behavior. Husbands, we must realize that a great part of our wives' sense of self-worth comes from our appreciation for and encouragement of them, just as the reverse is true. Sarcasm can be a most effective literary device but it can be a devastating destroyer in a marriage. Commandment number five is, thou shalt listen to thy wife, asking for her advice and opinions, recognizing her mental abilities and talents. As we've already seen, when a man and a woman marry, they become one flesh. It involves, but is most certainly not limited to, physical activity. The biblical concept of becoming one flesh does not occur on the wedding night, but it is a lifelong process involving all elements of the human personality. They become one in so many ways, a complete identification of one personality with the other. Once again, remember that we are told in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. I remember one wife telling me, he makes me feel so dumb. What a sad commentary on that man's attitude toward his wife. It makes you wonder why anyone would show such a lack of intelligence as to marry someone whose opinion and intelligence they did not respect in the first place. Commandment number six. Thou shalt not lord it over thy wife, recognizing that the two of you are equal before God, and that leadership in the home does not mean dictatorship. Neither does it mean being waited on hand and foot. So many men are so quick to jump to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, which tells us, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Well, they'll refer to that, but they don't stop to consider the meaning of verse 21, where we read, And be subject to one another 
in the fear of Christ. Here in verse 21, the idea of submitting suggests being willing to respond to another's needs and desires. Christians in general are to so act because we are not to be selfish, self-asserting, or those who demand our own way. That is the way we are to act toward people in general. Doesn't that apply perhaps even more strongly to the way we act toward our wives? Leadership in the home means sacrifice and service. Think of our Lord, whose example we are to follow. His whole life was a life of sacrifice and service. That truth is so powerfully put forth in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-8, through 8, where Paul wrote these words, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Yes, husbands, we are to be leaders in our home, but that must be properly understood. One more point to make in this area. It is a great injustice to the wife or the husband to abdicate his role of leadership in the home to her. That would be giving her authority that God did not give and placing responsibilities upon her that God did not place. Commandment number seven is, Thou shalt see that thy wife is thy best friend. Consider Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life, and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. The closest of all human relationships is marriage, and it should be a joyous partnership that is filled with laughter and good humor. There must be affection and confidence shared with the wife, and she, of all human beings, should be the one in whose presence we most want to be. Commandment number eight is, Thou shalt practice tenderness as an essential quality, realizing that intimacy is a gift of God which expresses and enhances love. In such activity, there is a giving of joy as well as a receiving of it. Few things can ruin or harm this aspect of marriage relationship as quickly and as surely as selfishness. All should and indeed must remember Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 3 and 4. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Such activity was given by God as a gift to mankind for the procreation of the human race and for the giving and receiving of joy as an expression of love. It should never be lessened or made a tool of conflict in any way. Commandment number nine is one that I just think belongs in here. Thou shalt in some way every day show thy wife that I need you that I appreciate you, and that I love you. And you know what? 
It doesn't have to be a big thing or even cost a dime. Just a few words, a thank you for a dinner prepared, a simple act of affection. Such things can do a great amount of good. Commandment number 10 is, should thy marriage become trying and seemingly an endurance contest, thou shalt not give up. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7, we find that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. No one goes through a marriage without some sort of difficulty, perhaps even some conflict coming up. Most can and should be worked out quickly and relatively simply. But if it becomes difficult, trust in God. Follow his instructions. Absolutely do the best you can and let the love be rekindled and renewed. Do not give up. So many just want to quit with little or no effort given to saving what they promised God they would always keep. When talking to people in such circumstances, among many things I try to encourage them to treat each other as they did when love was new, when they were falling in love, and having done all to be long-suffering, patient, and cast their burdens on the Lord, knowing that He cares for both the husband and the wife. Just Ten Commandments for Husbands. Think upon these things, and thanks for listening.